0: Another day, another spring training game in the books. Uh, Game two for the Jays this spring, a 9-5 loss to the Yankees. Yes. But ultimately, we got to see some interesting things today. Uh, Nate Pearson's spring debut. Addison Barger with another hit. Vladimir, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. with another bomb we saw Hayden Younger make an appearance. Yep. Uh, Hagen Danner made an appearance. Uh, Witt Merrifield looked good today. Like it, You'd for sure like a win, obviously, but in the spring, the score matters less, and we also got to see the bullpen begin to, begin to find some rhythm, too.
1: That's right. The score is uh, maybe the, the least important uh, aspect of, of all the things that you mentioned there, show. Uh, there were certainly some positives to take away from this. Some growing pains as well. It's early in the spring. We see a couple of hanging breaking balls. We see a couple of pitches the pitches to get away uh from hurlers here and there. That's all normal, but for me what I took away from this was first of all Nate Pearson coming in and again uh kind of uh falling into the the trap of the hanging breaking ball a little bit. A little. But uh, really attacking hitters uh expanding the zone there throwing hard, we saw him hit 101 in the in the Raider gun which is a pretty big deal and f- finding his finesse, I would say as well. I think that this is still a work in progress for him especially as he comes back into the major league level and works his way back from a an injury-riddled 2022, but the the pieces are all there and now it's all about putting them together for him. And Blue Jays hitters uh really did a phenomenal job today. I think that we we it's normal in the spring, especially early in the spring, to see hitters struggle with timing a little bit. Mm-hmm. But Blue Jays were actually swinging the, the, the bat really well. If they missed a couple of times, uh, they were quick to make adjustments uh, throughout their at-bats. So that was also good to see, especially here talking about Whit Merrifield and obviously Vladimir Guerrero Jr.
0: That's Julia Kreutz, I'm Show Ali. Welcome to Jays Talk on the Sportsnet app, sportsnet.ca and the Sportsnet Radio Network. A lot of times they say SportsNet in like a 10-second span. Uh, it is spring training, but if you do want to practice dialing the numbers, you can give us a call at 416-870-0590, 18 666 590 star five ninety on your cellular device. You can text us as well at 590-590. Name and location. That is the People's Text Line. You guys know the drill. Always leave your name and location so we can give you a shout-out as well. Uh Julia, why don't we why don't we do the Nate Pearson? chat now and we'll get to Whit merrifield and vladdy jr i see a text here about vladdy i do want to get to that one but let's let's start with nate sure and uh i i thought it was like i thought what we saw from pearson today was i mentioned it before when i was doing the totals but it was a relatively mixed bag to a certain degree right you kind of like saw some good things you saw some bad things like i mentioned anthony volpe before as well he gives him a pretty solid hit to volpe like that was a, a like a really rock solid hit from volpe yeah and right after that, he hits 101 miles an hour <laughs> to strike out Josh Donaldson. After touching 100 miles an hour in that same AB, Willie Calhoun hits a line drive RBI single. And then he throws a, a, a knuckle curve to retire the fourth batter. And that looked filthy. Yeah. And then he walks the next guys back to back. So and then he struck out the final guy, the seventh batter of the inning. So I think it's fair to say that it was there were some really cool stuff to see there. Uh, some potential and again i like ben's uh like the the phrase or the term of getting tuned up because that is what spring training is um i again like in spring training it's hard to draw like meaningful conclusions i would say and i also think maybe he got squeezed in a couple of balls perhaps from from vic carapazza but you still want to see him work on his command that was something we talked about in the pregame show what that's what you want to see pearson work on uh but that he can still hit the gas, that there is still some movement on his pitches, and that he can throw the n- the knuckle curve in addition to hitting 101 miles an hour if he wants to. Some positives in there, I'll say. Like, oh, overall, I will say positive, even though it is a mixed bag.
1: Definitely, a couple of calls that could have gone his way yeah. and didn't for sure. Uh, a couple of breaking balls that I'm sure he would like to take back, but this is so normal, especially for a first uh, a first appearance in spring training. But overall, he. Did pretty well. His command was there for the most part. Uh, the The velocity was certainly there, and it was interesting to see when he was mixing in that those breaking balls. Which, by the way, when the breaking ball was on, it was amazing to see. Like you said, it's something that Pearson, if he can fine tune and really find a way to keep hitters guessing with uh, with the velocity as well as a productive breaking ball, he is going to be a very uh, productive. Reliever for this Blue Jays team in the major leagues. Now, from here to there is a is a a pretty big, pretty long way. It is, but to see that, to see him today, uh, keep his composure through everything—a very eventful inning for him—was certainly a positive. Now, I'm not going to draw any hard conclusions here in in a first spring training outing, but it was certainly good to see Nate Pearson get back out there and really settle in or start to settle in to this uh reliever role full time this is where he believes he has to be right now to make it to the majors and uh, this is sort of the start of a of a new journey for him
0: i'm i'm so curious to see what pearson's presence along with and we haven't seen him yet so far in spring training but eric swanson's presence will eventually do to to reorder the bullpen because last year I, I actually do genuinely like Jimmy Garcia as the setup guy. I I, I do th- think that's a great spot for him. And if, if Swanson bass, I don't know if Pearson's going to be there, but Simber probably to a lesser degree, if they are all also worked into the setup role, I do kind of wonder, cause we saw Jordan Romano today as well. And we'll talk about him too, but you, you see more guys being used in high leverage late inning situations. It does make me kind of wonder if with Pearson taking more of a role perhaps in the early stages of the game, like maybe maybe Pearson is the kind of guy who is the gets the ball first after the starter is out of the game perhaps, but um, or gets a clean inning after after the starters are are able to to stop things or maybe a mesa comes in to bridge it to someone like Pearson, but I am curious if Pearson's on the roster if if it may just free up some of those other guys I mentioned to. Also alleviate some of the stress on Romano himself. He, I like. Don't get me wrong. Romano is going to be your closer most of the time, but at the same time, I do kind of wonder if you might not see more guys get shots at closing. So you're not seeing Romano pitch like three days in a row, for example. That's
1: right. The the Pearson's presence in that bullpen comes with many benefits for the Blue Jays. That being one of them. Uh, last year, we saw Toronto get maybe a little overly dependent on Jordan Romano. And that especially in the postseason against Seattle, we all knew, you all saw how that turned out, just that, that reliability, which is great to have a guy like Romano, but he can't be your sole option when the game maybe starts to get a little bit trickier or starts to get away from you. Romano is an integral piece of this group, but he can't be the only guy to have that role. And so if you have a guy like Pearson who won't be the guy? He yeah, won't yeah. be a you know Romano number two or anything like that. But what he does is exactly what you said, show is the Blue Jays are now able to use different guys in different ways and maybe pull some of these more experienced guys who have a track record of stepping in 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 big moments or stepping up in big moments. Uh, that that can only be beneficial to this group. It all starts right here and. The goal is to have him as a long reliever. His appearance today, you know, the growing pains aside, I think is a is a good starting point for for that ultimate goal.
0: That's Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. You're listening to Jay's Talk. Uh, you can text us, reach us on the text line, five ninety-five ninety name and location, please. Uh, and you can give us a call as well. 416-870-0590-188-triple 590 Zero five ninety star five ninety on your cell. Let's go to the phone lines. Adam calling in from North York. Adam, welcome to J Stock.
2: Thank you very much. First call of the year. Yeah. Uh, so here are my predictions uh, regarding the the shot. Uh, not the shot. The the the, um, the pitch, pitch clock. clock. Yeah. So two predictions. One, it will save time, and next year, the owners from the small clubs are going to use it to include more ads between innings and we're going to lose 15 minutes of that (laughs) save 30 time. And second of all, I think, and this is my, we're going to have a strike or a lockout next year as the small clubs are going to try to drive for a salary cap um, because that's what this whole thing of their meeting together is. They're furious at, at New York and Los Angeles and they just want to get back i mean you know cincinnati would rather not have slavery than have pay their players but that's another thing but anyways i I'm, I'm just wondering what your thoughts are on that
0: part of the game sure adam appreciate the call man thanks for calling into Jay's Talk. so uh the the salary cap thing i i definitely if okay let's put it this way if any ball club pushes for a salary cap, there will probably be a lockout. Just only, only like not lockout, but some kind of strike only because the, I believe it I might've been yesterday that the news came out that the MLBPA basically said under no circumstances are they ever going to accept a salary cap? And I mean, I get it, right? So that's probably not. It's probably never going to happen. As much as I actually wouldn't mind seeing like some form of salary cap. I guess like the like the, I know they call it like the Cohen tax, which is effectively the luxury tax. The competitive balance tax is like like I know they think it acts like a, 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 a salary cap, but I uh, I don't think an actual hard cap like the NBA has or like the NHL has or like the NFL has will probably ever make its way. If, if any franchise did try to push for it, it would probably result in a strike. It actually, that brings to mind something I brought up to th- with you before we did the pregame show, Julia, which was um, the pirates. There were, they had some uh, disagreements with Brian Reynolds on what he was, he felt he was worth. And it was something like they they countered a, a relatively small offer with, I believe it was like an eight year 130 something million dollar contract which like sounds like a lot but in in the in, effectively what it was was it would have bought out 5 years of Brian who's the popular trade target right. would have bought out 5 years of Brian Reynolds uh years, free agency years and it would still only cost you about 16 to 17 million dollars a year to keep Brian Reynolds under contract for 8 years yeah. and the pirates said no they said no to that this is like like the pirates are owned by a guy whose net worth was like 1.2 billion dollars like 10 mm-hmm. years ago i can only imagine what it is now so uh, like some some teams are just going to run their franchises like just to make money and not to like pay players like i was <laughs> when we were watching the pirates yesterday all i could think of was like the o'neill cruises of the world are just and like the jack Sewinsky's of the world are probably just playing as well as they can to play for other teams once they're once they're like hit free agency effectively.
1: Yeah, it's such an intri- intricate part of baseball, and and, and the salary discussion is uh, is certainly one that I think is going to be present in the game for as long as the game exists. Uh, as for the Pirates report, I believe it was the Athletic uh, that reported right. uh, on uh, Brian Reynolds. There's certainly an aspect of you know how an ownership group or front office runs its team, but there's also maybe the factor of perhaps the Pirates just didn't think that Brian Reynolds was that guy.
2: Maybe. Right? Yeah, maybe it's, not.
1: Um, it's pretty crazy to think about if that is indeed, indeed the case. <laughs> um, but when you maybe have a little bit less financial flexibility, you also need to be smart with, uh, with how you spend your money there. So it was an interesting report, one that you kind of like do a double take. Uh, but there are a lot, of, uh, a lot of factors that go into it, in my opinion, at least, Joe.
0: Uh, Adam also mentioned the pitch clock and I actually wanted to bring this up with you, Julia. What did, what did you think of not seeing the actual pitch clock on the television? Like we didn't actually like because yesterday on the Pirates broadcast because and Jeff Passan was talking about it yesterday on Twitter. So like we we saw the pitch clock on a lot of on a lot of minor league ballparks because major league ballparks are configured in a way. So the clocks are just out of frame effectively. The, I mean, cameras can frame it certainly in different ways as they want, but when we get to the regular season, like you won't actually see the pitch clocks on camera when you're watching on TV, and that's how it was today. Probably because TD Ballpark is, has been like relatively newly renovated. I actually like it's. It was interesting because I'd seen on social media as well during this game. I think it was the Cubs Dodgers spring game today for Sportsnet Los Angeles, which is a uh, if you're wondering is not affiliated with, with our, our Sportsnet, our version of Sportsnet, just like AT and T Sportsnet. It's not affiliated either. But they actually had the pitch clock not in view on the camera but they had it like on on the score bug which i thought was fascinating it's funny because i kind of thought it would be something i did want to see like adam i refer to it as a shot clock it 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 does remind me of that a little bit uh, like you uh, refer to in in the nba for example but i kind of i gotta admit not seeing the pitch clock on camera anywhere whether it's on the score bug or actually in the background i kind of like it i gotta say
1: I agree with you. As someone who gets distracted very easily, show I would rather not see it and just focus on the game than have that reminder of a, of, a, of a ticking clock there that you know is influencing on the pace of the game or influencing on how players really are approaching each at bat. So just from a from my own view and my own standpoint here. I would rather not see the clock. I also had an experience. I watched uh, the Cubs game, Cubs Giants game yesterday, and that had the pitch clock uh, with with the score right okay in uh, and, and the broadcast and it was a it was a strange strange experience. I like this better. I like the way that we are that SportsNet is doing right now better. Uh, yeah, just just because it's easy to get distracted and miss out yeah, on it it, there's there's a lot of small things that go into in a bat right yeah, you can yeah. pay attention to the pitcher you can pay attention to the hitter um, the the body language is important the release point is important um a guy's batting stance is important so there's so much that you have to look at and to be honest with you to have that ticking time <laughs> there it was uh it was not conducive to my experience yeah, personally
0: that's very because you're already looking at so many different things you're looking at the 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 pitch count you're looking at the, and then you're then you're also trying to look at what the pitcher is throwing and how the batter is standing and all these different things i'm i'm okay with it i'm like you already know it's a thing anyways like it's it's not like the pitch clock doesn't exist because you're not looking at it but there's still it's still made the game i guess today did not make it go that much faster today the game was around not like that much. Th- yeah it was like what three hours and 10 minutes or what 15 minutes and, and, and there were a ton of changes certainly so it, i suppose the average game is still like is like i think the regular season is still around 310 so didn't change it too too much so there that's not too bad either uh, real quick before we hit a break julia what do you think of the lack of strike zones on the broadcast? I, I we didn't get a strike zone for the Pirates broadcast yesterday. We didn't get one today on Sportsnet. I actually I'm not sure if it's just a spring training thing or what, and maybe it'll be the it'll be back for the regular season. But I honestly I was ready to hate it. But without it, I find personally I am less – like I'm focusing less on whether or not a pitcher is getting squeezed by a bad call. Like you, I think like you can still tell if something is really egregious. Again, I to bring up Pearson, there were a couple of calls where I thought for sure there was a, it was a strike and it was not. But without seeing the strike zone, I find I'm getting bogged down less in like a pitch-to-pitch. Pitch. Was that a strike? Was that a ball?
1: Yeah, I don't mind it actually. I think I would prefer it uh... – I understand the importance of having it there. And and I do think that in the regular season, we're going to get it back. But just from my own perspective, I, I kind of liked it better exactly because of what you said. There, there is so many nuances that go into every pitch and every at bat. It's nice not to have that anchor or that distraction or however you want to, you want to phrase it here and just, you know, really appreciate what it is that a pitcher is doing and how, he is or isn't fooling a, a, a batter. And then if you have, you know, those borderline calls or something that is a bit egregious and it doesn't go whatever way, uh, there are resources for that. And, and that's why we have replay, right? So it's not like the technology isn't there. But I do think that it makes the experience a little bit more authentic when it comes to uh to just watching, watching the broadcast, uh, you know, kind of putting yourself in the action as well. So yeah, it, my opinion I, I i know that there are people who really love it i know that there are people who are against it at all times yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah for, I, I would think i would prefer it but i'm not firm on uh on either side here
0: there was a really interesting interview as this is going back uh, like months back to last season but uh i remember joe west had come on with blair and barker to talk about like the TV strike zone and like whatever your feelings may be on Joe West, it was a great interview. So if you're curious on hearing more about the the strike zone and like how it works into the TV broadcast, I, I heartily recommend going to look up that interview. Uh, that's Julia Kreutz. I'm Show Ali. We'll take a very quick break when we come back. Your calls, your texts as well. Five ninety five ninety is the text line uh, name and location. Always please, so we can give you a shout out. You're listening to Jays Talk on Sportsnet.ca, the Sportsnet app, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. Welcome back to Jay's Talk on the Sportsnet app, sportsnet.ca, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. All places you can find Blue Jays baseball during spring training and, of course, the regular season as well. Show Ali Julia Kreutz here with you until the top of the hour. Thank you for being alongside us. Want to get to the text line, Julia, 590-590, name and location. Uh, Jim from Peterborough, Graham from Toronto sending ones in just now. Uh, This one's from Jim. Uh, in Peterborough. Okay, small sample sizes, spring training, early optimism, blah blah blah. I'm going to bo- <laughs> I'm going to borrow that when we discuss anything in yes. spring training gym. And just FYI. But he says, "But Vlad looked great today. In his first AB, he laid off the 1-1 pitch low and away." Uh, that he would have swung right over last year. In his second A.B., he got a bit large in the 3-1, but didn't roll over the next pitch and drive it into the ground. And before the home run in his third A.B., he laid off two more pitches just off the plate to get to that meatball over the middle. Quality swing decisions every time. If this keeps up, holy crap, Jim from Peterborough. <laughs> and, I, and it's true. I mean, like that's something that Buck alluded to on the broadcast as yeah. well, that like he he was maybe a little he he expanded the zone like it was ginormous for him last year because it was right and, and certainly he got he was getting squeezed on some calls and maybe he felt like he had to but I agree with Jim that we the the discipline from Blatty last year was certainly not the same discipline we saw when he was AL MVP runner up the year before so I, I do agree. Again, small sample sizes. Jim acknowledges it. But uh, hey, if Vladdy keeps it up, you're not going to see like two run bombs every single game. But uh, just seeing a more disciplined hitter from Vladdy Jr. and maybe not getting in his own head will be will be like just that by itself is a massive step forward because last season, I, I would still most players you would take like a near 100 RBI season yeah. from anyways. And it's it just speaks to how good he is that you expect more.
1: Yeah, he's said it himself. He said so. Last year, during the season, he said it again this spring training. He was trying to do too much in 2022. He felt the pressure to follow up uh, a second-place AL MVP campaign with something equally as impressive. And when you factor in Vladimir Groh Jr.'s age, it's no surprise, really, that that a guy like that, with his natural talent and with expectations sky-high, would get a little bit uh, caught in the in the psychological aspect of the game. He still delivered a great season last year. I yeah, think that we can all yeah. agree on that. But the thing is, is that the expectations were so unbelievably high. Yeah. When he comes in this year and says, you know what? I admit it. I got caught in it. I let the pressure get to me. And so we saw what we saw. A little bit of zone expanding that didn't go his way. Uh, maybe, you know, just a slap single that if he had had a little bit more recognition, if he had been a little bit more patient, he would have had different results. And now he comes in and he says, I'm going to work on that. That is maturity. That is a, a player who is naturally very gifted and who is putting in the work, also coming together mentally to have a better season than he did last year. That's a pretty big deal. And it's, it's, uh, It's pretty fascinating to follow along as Vladimir Guerrero Jr. grows into himself and really becomes the the player that we all expect him to be for a very long time in this league. If he can keep that mentality up and really not let the pressure of the big moments get to him and maybe the pressure of expectations get to him... Why not one home run a day, you know, because he is just that good. Obviously, I'm kidding. It's not going to happen. Uh, nothing works this well in life. But it is really amazing to see in every sense of his game, just how much he has grown since he reached the, the major leagues.
0: It's easy to forget that he is just really young as well. I mean, he's been in the majors for five years, four years. I forget how, however many years it's been, but he he's regardless he's still what 23 yeah. like that's he's not an that's old right. not an old i guess he's going to be 24 in a couple of weeks but but still that's uh that's that at that age to do what he has already done and to 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 think that he is like not done getting better is would be silly so i i agree i like the text from jim um i want to get to this text as well from graham he says keep pearson in the bullpen to start the season elite heat he is going to be a very productive reliever let him figure it out in the bigs, and uh, you know what? I I I tend to err more on that side than let him start the season in the minors. I would, I frankly would rather see him be given a vote of confidence than say, "Hey, you need to get seasoned a little more in the minors." I like. I guess if 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 you're talking about the odds on whether or not he's going to break spring training with the J- Jays versus go back to Buffalo, I think it's the odds are more likely that he. He's on the, the, the active roster to start uh, the end of March.
1: That would make sense, yeah. I think, at this point in, in, in his journey, and his career, with everything that he has already accomplished in the minors, and taking into consideration that he ran into some bad luck last year. There's not very much that I can think of that he can gain from starting the year in the minors. Now it, it is sort of like a do or die moment for Nate Pearson when it comes to his development and when it comes to his ability to stick in stick in the majors so if he can keep up his performance over the the spring and again I'm not necessarily talking about results but I am talking about just seeing how his stuff plays out seeing if the velocity is sustainable if the breaking ball if he can fine-tune that finesse in the breaking ball find a pitch mix that works for him as a reliever all of those things will play a factor into that. I think that today was a good start. We're going to see more of him, obviously, as uh, as the spring goes on, but not a ton of reason for the Blue Jays to start him in Triple A. Yeah. So good point by uh, by our texter there.
0: Yeah, appreciate it, Graham. Thanks for texting us here on the text line. Uh, I'll give you I'll give you a choice, Julia. You want to you want to chat before we have a couple minutes left here. You want to chat Kevin Kiermeyer or Whit Merrifield?
1: Oh man, that's like. Picking which child I love best. No, I'm kidding. Uh, let's do. Let's uh, chat, Kevin Kiermaier. Kiermaier? Okay. Let's
0: yeah. do. Let's do Kiermaier. He. We saw his first action as a Blue Jay today. Uh, he made a. There was a moment very early on when mm-hmm. most of the regulars were still in the game where he made a very good throw home in the first inning. I the, again, you expect you expect your center fielder to be able to throw home, obviously, but it's just it was uh, it was encouraging to see because. I think with a lot of the more action you expect to see in ba- just in baseball, generally speaking, this year, you probably will see runners do all, take, take off from second and try and score from second a lot of the time. And as we discussed yesterday, with no shift and with different things being used and only three outfielders out there it will be interesting to see how that affects the Jays, but Kevin Kiermaier made a very nice throw to cut the runner off from scoring from second at, at home plate, which is great to see. Um, so I guess I, I am very, again, a short, small sample sizes, short game action for Kiermaier today, but it was, it was nice to see his debut. I, I think the question for Kiermaier for me, uh, and he talked about it with Buck on the broadcast, but will probably be his health. I think health yes. for Kiermaier is like... The the thing you wonder about basically until you don't wonder about it, given how the last couple of seasons have
1: gone. Yeah, but that is that is exactly what I was gonna say. He looked really healthy when he was yeah. making that throw, yeah. right? It it looked like he was ready to go. And 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 so that was very encouraging to see as well. It was uh, interesting to see him and in and, and var sort of interact uh in that throw yeah. and, and, and seeing, you know, that new configura from configuration of the Blue Jays outfield kind of start to get to know each other and build a little bit of chemistry and just Kevin Kiermeyer being Kevin Kiermeyer. This is why the Blue Jays went out and, uh, and got him. And he spoke a little bit at length even about that, right, with, uh, with Buck and, uh, and Ben. And it, it was cool to, to hear from him, you know, his decision-making into to coming into the Blue Jays. And it was also cool to see that he's still very much himself. And if he can stay healthy, that center field spot is his it's just uh it really is just a matter of 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 staying on the field but he did look really healthy when he was making that play show
0: you mentioned the uh, interview he had with uh ben and buck during the tv simulcast today let's hear a little bit of it it's not the whole thing but let's hear a little bit of it a couple minutes of kevin Uh kiermeyer talking to ben and buck
2: kevin i was a little surprised coming off your surgery that you signed with the blue jays given the fact they play on artificial turf I thought you might look for something a little more forgiving, but talk about your experience and your feeling about playing at Rogers Center.
3: Yeah, I, I never thought I would agree to play on turf ever again after after being uh, in Tampa for so long and how it, it beat my body up. But, uh, you know, my first time through free agency, Blue Jays were the first team that called, and they set the bar very, very high, and I knew early on um that I I very might well be a Blue Jay and you know a couple other teams reached out uh, but no one had the desire the Blue Jays did and and I said you know what I can manage turf I I have throughout my career I know I've taken my bumps and bruises but I'm not going to let a great opportunity um, you know mess with my thoughts and and how like I want to be here I'm so happy I am I'm right where I need to be.
0: So you're comfortable at Rogers Center on the turf that's been there the last couple of years you obviously know the confines. What do you know about the new outfield configuration and the walls and the changes that you expect as a defender? Yeah, I've seen, I've seen
3: the the draw of it, of it all, the new dimensions, and there's a couple uh, funky little angles out there, but I know the center field wall, they lowered it, I got an eight foot wall, so when they told me that first thing that came to my mind was boy it's going to make me look like I could jump way higher than what what I can actually (laughs) you know compared to a ten foot wall they've had out there for years. So for me um, we'll see if I can make some exciting plays on that lower wall Uh, but I promise I'll put myself in a position to do that. But when we get up there after the first road trip of the year we'll go out there as an outfield unit um, and figure out you know how the ball caroms off and. And how everything plays we'll we'll do our homework before uh uh, you know that first game and and we got great outfielders, so i know we'll be more than prepared to handle whatever's thrown our way and uh we're gonna go out there and make a uh, bunch of plays for our pitchers and and that's what you want you want them guys to have confidence attack hitters and and trust the guys behind you uh so that's what we're
0: going to do that's kevin kiermeyer talking to Ben Wagner and Buck Martinez earlier today. I thought I liked. Uh, he has like I liked a lot of things he said there, including that uh an eight foot wall is going to make him look like he can jump a lot higher than he can. You're yeah. going to see a lot of like really uh, Superman climbing the walls type of plays out there in center field. I think because he is very capable of that. We have seen him do it to the Blue Jays as a member of the Tampa Bay Rays many times over the years. But I um, I, I like the fact that he has like a little bit of a personality as yes. well. Like not a lot of Blue Jays players or not not a lot of athletes. I should say just do and he does, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. but uh, I it, it'll be interesting to see how when when we get games back at Roger Center, how he, Varsho, and certainly George Springer uh, navigate the new outfield dimensions.
1: Yeah, it's uh, something that he said that really um, stuck with me was when we come back, we are going to go out there as an outfield unit and we are going to do our homework. We are going to figure this out and really study the dimensions and everything. And I think that it goes back a little bit to what I was saying before show. There is some chemistry to be built here. It's not just that these guys are going to start playing together and everything is going to work out fine. This is also a, a big factor of spring training is really getting to know your outfield partners and how they move, how they position themselves. Can you count on them for, say, a relay throw or a, a, a ball that caroms into the, to, to the wall how much support are you going to have? How quick are they to support you? All of those things yeah. that has to be built. And obviously we, we're talking about very, very talented players defensively. Kevin Kiermeyer, Dalton Bars- show, Springer, certainly even with Maryfield, a guy like Biggio. as we start the discussion or continue the discussion of the fourth outfielder, outfielder as well. There's a lot of th- that goes into it. And right now what they're doing is building that trust and building that chemistry. So, really telling for me that he made a point to say hey we're going to go out there as a unit and we're going to do our homework and figure this out Uh, really really liked hearing that I thought it was an important point to to make and good to know that they're thinking about that as well
0: Nice to hear that he and the rest of the outfield will be working together as a unit. Uh, you and I will be continuing to work together as a Jay's Talk unit here and there throughout spring training. And certainly as we continue into the regular season as well. Julia, this was uh, this was fun as usual.
1: Certainly a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Uh, Julia Kreutz with me. I'm Ali. That does it for Jay's Talk. We appreciate the calls and texts as always. Uh, I'll be back for more spring training Jay's Talks. Next weekend, I believe Blake Murphy will be in the mix as well. And of course, as always, Blair and Barker will be, don't worry, your frontline starters once the regular season begins here on stock as well at the end of March. But we thank you for listening to Blue Jays Baseball presented by Crown Rust Protection on the Sportsnet app, sportsnet.ca, and the Sportsnet Radio Network. That is uh, all the locations you can find Blue Jays Baseball throughout the rest of spring training. And of course, when the regular season begins in March against the cards. Uh, I'll say this. There's a burger with my name on it waiting at home. So I will say goodbye to you all. Have a wonderful Sunday. Talk to you later.